This is the Nassiman Hockey Podcast with James Nichols and John Zella. And we're back for another edition of Nassiman Hockey Podcast, another post-game edition of Nassiman Hockey Podcast after the New York Islanders take a Game 1 victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning in Tampa Bay, stealing yet another game on the road, fellas. Uh, but before we talk about the game itself, let's head over to uh, my good buddy John Zell and say, what's up, pal? I don't have a ton of energy today, but I do have a, all the energy in the world to talk about another Islanders win. Isn't it great so I'm, I'm ex- doing that? It it makes this a lot easier when they're losing and it you know they're up and down and all this stuff. But you know on a on a playoff run, beating good teams, uh, continuing to defy the odds. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I love it. And uh, also joining us today, which feels like for the first time in a long time, Joe. Uh, but we're happy to have you back again. Is uh, AM New York's Joe Pantorno? What's up, buddy? What's up? Pleasure to be back and. Listen, Islanders fans, you've had like 30 years to save up all of this pent-up energy for this <laughs> run and last year's run. So you know what? You could feel tired, but at the same time, think about that. That who knows? I feel like you're talking directly to me. <laughs> I don't really know how I feel about it. Can I subtweet in real life? Is that a thing? Wow. I think it's called passive-aggressive. That's a real-life subtweet. That's a real-life, a live subtweet. It's on a, the internet, on a live podcast on the internet. I think we're going to break it. <laughs> sure. Why not? We're close. Oh, God. All right. Let's head right over to uh, On the Island, brought to you by DraftKings. The second round is in full swing, and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. To give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering uh, players a free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day. The best part is it's free to play. DraftKings free to play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app and go to pools and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings pool page and get your shot at huge prizes. Uh, that's promo code promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. So the New York Islanders win game one, two to one in Tampa Bay. Um, and let's just talk about the growth of the Islanders for a minute because Huge difference, right? Huge difference in in game one of 2020 versus game one of 2021 because, of course, this is a rematch. Um, and, you know, I, I like to, to think about it in, in the sense that, yes, although, you know, many Islander fans didn't hesitate to let me know about the uh, the day's travel from, from Toronto to Edmonton uh, last year, which I clearly remember. Don't, don't worry, guys. Um, but, it, it, you know, it's not – it's not just the travel, let alone guys. I mean, the, these are these are trained professionals, uh, trained athletes who have done it before, and, and they could definitely do it again. So, uh, but despite it, they were heavily beaten eight to two in game one in twenty twenty, and, and it was quite the re- the reversal in this uh, first game in twenty twenty one. The Islanders went two to one. Um, Did they not open the scoring last year? I they, remember. I remember they it was like it was two two for a long time. Uh, they did not open the scoring. They went down a goal. Uh, Jordan Everly quickly tied the game, 
Um, and then they quickly after that went down something like five to one. Yikes. So uh, I must yeah, have it, blocked all of this out of my head. It, it, it's a it's a much much different game uh, or, or series this year uh, for a number of reasons. You know, you have the the experience factor, of course, is one, but um, you know, a little bit of a different roster for the Islanders, right? It, it's a lot of the core pieces are the same, but there's those two players that we got from the New Jersey Devils and Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac, who uh, in this game, despite not being on the score sheet, uh, in my opinion, were were big big roles in this game, correct? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And even going into game one right before it, in his pregame availability, John Cooper, head coach of the Lightning, said, said it himself. He said, when you look at the Islanders lineup and you see John Gabriel Pajot is their third-line center, he goes, that's depth. And then really, you know, obviously this move was prompted by Anders Lee's injury, but you get – Proven veterans with plenty of playoff experience and Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac, and Zajac has been to a cup. Um, that's pretty darn good to have on your third line. And it's two guys that are very comfortable with each other. So it was, I, I won't say it was a seamless transition, but it didn't take as long for them to kind of get the wheels churning. And then it's, it's a perfect move to put Pajot in the middle of them because we saw it all year, the different linemates that Pajot cycled through. All season, and it was right from the go at training camp where he had different line mates every other day. So, um, yeah, I mean, they brought a whole different dimension to the Islanders, and you can tell really the latter stages of the Boston series, and even in game one, this is one of, if not the Islanders' best line right now. Yeah, I think even, I mean, obviously, if Lee's in the lineup, this is very different, and you hope that Lou still makes that move, but. Lee's absence, if it opened the door for Palmieri and Zajac to come on, it really did add a ton of depth to this team. Like, it is a very now, and you know, we joke all the time that they have three second lines, but that's more than other teams. Like, if you know, on putting it up together, and especially with the points that Nelson's put up and that Bailey's put up, I know we're going to talk about him later in the show. Um, on paper, the Islanders are are pretty good and other teams recognize that you know an eye on their third line that's going to go against other teams second and first lines and then you don't want barzell out there against your third line no you know unlike how the islanders are able to do that so they just have an immediate advantage and they have a, a very secure identity this isn't a team that doesn't know who they are the islanders are very much comfortable in that so other teams it's it's tough to play, you know, especially a creative team like the Lightning. It's tough to play when another team's got a lot of structure. So I, I like to talk about um, how, you know, in, in my earlier tweet, I had stated also uh, that this is playoff experience and, and, you know, it's good for the roster. But not only is it good for the roster, um, Barry trots too. He gets you get some extra experience because this is a rematch from last season um, and uh, or last postseason rather. And, you know, the, not only did the team learn a little bit of how to defend and, and play against this fast Tampa Bay Lightning, but I think Barry Trotz was able to learn how to play chess against John Cooper a little bit as well. I'm looking at this uh, the stat sheet right now, and the, the, one of the uh, glaring things that comes off the stat sheet for me here uh, is the Islanders won uh, 61% of faceoffs as opposed to the Lightning's 39%. Um, Interestingly enough, Matt Barzell didn't take a single faceoff in this game. 
but you have, you know, JG Peugeot carrying the load with 67% wins. Uh, Casey Zizekas, uh soon after him with 63. Uh, and then Leo Komarov at 50%. Um, Brock Nelson was not as, as lucky to uh, win draws in, in this game. He, he, he was at 43%. But he's been, he's been pretty good in this postseason run. But this is all part of the, uh, the, the playoff experience that I was referencing earlier. Um, and it's not just the team; it's it's Trotz too, and he knows now how to kind of place those chess pieces on the ice and 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 you know win those small battles that lead to bigger victories. Yeah, these are the intangibles, really, that nobody talks about. It and it's again, I'm, I'm kind of quoting Barry Trotz here. It's not the sexy stats, you know, that this isn't fantasy hockey. This is legitimate NHL roster construction, given the you know the restraints that the Islanders have. Um, and this is how they beat you. So I, I kind of don't like when people say, oh, well, you know, the Islanders just aren't a skilled team. They just play good defense. That's farthest from the truth. The Islanders are skilled in the non-headlining factors of the game, where right. most of the time you're not going to, after the game, be like, oh, the Islanders won because face-offs. No, it's like, oh, the Islanders won 2-1. Barlamov was brilliant. Matthew Barzal's hot. Ryan Pulak's finding the back of the net. Oh, and look at the face-offs. That's, that's kind of how I see it. But these are these little aspects that kind of snowball into a composed, resolute team that the Islanders are. You're comfortable if you know you can win the puck. Absolutely. Like, it just it relaxes. It's like having a good goalie. There's like these little, like you're saying, these little aspects of the game are obviously really important. Yeah. Um, coaches and the media and everybody wouldn't harp on it if it wasn't important. I'll say this about Komarov winning faceoffs. It's, it's great to see him have a quantitative, uh, like a measurable positive impact on this team, right? Like he, him, him just being not a liability and winning puck battles. I, you can find some numbers in there, but to say like he did this, that's a that's something that helps a team win a Stanley Cup. Right. Players Absolutely. like him showing I did this. Right. And that's not always, you know, hockey. I know that's like the, the numbers versus the eye test, which obviously it's both for, for anyone wondering. But for, for somebody like him, it's great to actually see the, a number. I don't know what his other stats are. Maybe everything else was expected goals were terrible and blah, blah, blah. But I think this is important for a team that controls the puck. You know, they, they get chances off very specific things. And we'll talk about that too. But I think it's important for this team to get that type of play. It's like Casey Zizek is scoring a goal or something. You know, like it's just that extra little bit. They're doing more than what they're expected to do. And that's what helps teams win championships. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so interesting that, you know, you, we're, we're talking about the positives of, of Leo Komarov because although, like you said, he's not putting the puck in the back of the net, he don't, doesn't have those sexy stats. He's do, he does those little intangibles and brings positive play. Uh, to the Islanders game um, in the same breath, you know, and this is a conversation for another time. You had Oliver Wallstrom taking warmups tonight. So, and, and Travis Zajac's looking real good on that third line with Peugeot and, and Palmieri right now. Um, they're getting it done in both ends of the ice uh, and in the neutral zone as well. So it's like right now, you know, I guess it's a good problem to have, but there's so many forwards who are performing right now. Wallstrom's likely going to stay seated until somebody has to be yanked from the lineup. So uh, we'll see how that develops moving forward. But Wallstrom did indeed take warmups tonight and he, he might be ready to go, uh, but he might be, you know, his, his hand might be forced to uh, stay in, in the press box rather than 
uh, played down uh, on, on the ice in game two. Uh, I want to talk about Semyon Varlamov because he made 30 saves in this game. Uh, maybe it should have been a shutout because he, you know, that power play goal came on a bit of an iffy call. Kucherov's pretty good at, at selling uh, penalties. Uh, maybe Brock Nelson did go a little high on him. However, he was fantastic in this game. Joe, I wanted to ask you, what did you see out of Varlamov today? You saw the same old usual Semyon Varlamov that you saw during the regular season. Doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low, stays is even killed self. It's the same cliche that we that's been thrown at us all year round when the Islanders have been describing both of their goaltenders. Um, and it's that veteran presence where, again, he led them to the Eastern Conference final last year in the bubble. He was a big reason why they were able to secure the number four seed in the Eastern Division this season. And he's a huge reason why they got past Boston. Um, so this is the Varlamov that the Islanders know that they have, that Barry Trotz knows that he has, and they feel confident that they can go up against any other goaltender on any other night, and he's going to give them a chance to win, whether it's Tuka Rask or it's Andre Vasilevsky, and so far so good for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he was he was fantastic, and I love that you said that you know he was his old regular self in the regular season, um, and that you know brings up the question for me and John. I'll ask you this: uh, Do you think that the in season Varlamov has returned for good? Are those cheap early goals a thing of the past? Whatever injury he had that caused the rust that we saw early in games is clearly gone. Um, I think maybe the team is also tightening up in front of him. I, you know, once Varlamov stopped letting in those goals, the Islanders are now on a four-game win streak. So you're you're seeing the team just like kind of overall. It took them a bit to get their sea legs against Boston. They right. won a game, they lost a game, and then there's something that just kind of like turned it over for them. And whether that was the crowd in Game Four or whatever the case was. It seemed to kind of get the guys over the hump, and including Varlamov. He seems dialed in. Um, you know, you see goalies that that, and maybe this is Vasilevsky going into game two. It just all you know that shot by Pulak, that was a clean shot. Yeah, you know they were trying to make up. Oh, got tipped this and that in the replay, and then they you know they go over it again. Like, no, that was just a bomb. It just went. It had force. It was heavy shot. Had mustard, it went. Man. Yeah, had mustard on it. Went through him. Um, you know, I think I think Varlamov's kind of there's no doubt in his head. I think he's playing confidently, and you know, judging by you know the Islanders act, are actually out shooting other teams or at least keeping it even. Um, he's not getting the work that he did against Boston. The high danger chances are are low. I, yeah, I think he's back in his rhythm. You know, he I think he knows it's his net again. And as much as it's a one A one B, I think it makes him feel better. He's like, all right, I'm the guy. I'm I'm here, um, you know. He's gonna have to take the net for me. Yeah. Uh, so and again, four wins in a row. Yeah, he's just confident right now, no doubt in his head. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. You know, and that that was something that uh, you know a lot of uh, uh, a lot of questions were asked about. You know, the confidence of this team to Everlay to Varlamov uh, to Barry Trotz, and everybody said, you know, the conf confidence is growing, uh, and you see it all around, um, and and it's great because you know. We talk about these these fast starts that you know have to happen for the Islanders, um, and they certainly have been. You know, in, in recent games, uh, we haven't seen that that early goal like I asked you about uh, in too too long now, right? It's been what four or five games since his last goal that he gave up in in the first five minutes. 
Um, yeah, was maybe, it not? Maybe. It was like game three of the Boston series, but that had been right. going on for. I'm pretty sure in the Pittsburgh series. I'm pretty sure in game six, he gave up one, like a minute 56 into Pasternak. Um, I, I think I maybe, think, yeah, you know what? You might be right. And, and but again, this was promising. And I think it was game five against Boston where, what was it? Pasternak hit the, what was the game? Pasternak hit the post wide open net. Was that game four? That was game six. I don't know. I, yeah. Regardless, it's escaping me right now. But um, there was one where he got out of the first unscathed somehow, um, and that was kind of the first bit of confidence that, okay, well, you know what? He got lucky, but he got out of the first unscathed, kind of had a relapse game six, and then today, obviously, just with the effort that the Islanders put in front of him, they weren't giving Tampa many chances in the first period anyway. So um, that's a huge confidence builder. Right, yeah. So the play in front of him was uh, was pretty great, and, and we talked about having to get off to these fast starts, and they did just that. Uh, it got chippy from from the puck drop, and, you know, eight seconds in, Matt Martin and, and uh, Barclay Goudreau were sent to the box for, uh, I believe, two each for roughing, uh, some extracurricular from the from the first whistle uh, was was happening right after, uh, right after Varlamov made his first save. So, uh Yo, good start for the Islanders, and that's something you want to see. And and I like that the uh, the Islanders are letting the Tampa Bay Lightning know, like, hey, this is this isn't going to happen again. It's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be an easy series for you guys. We're we're here to uh, we're here to stay. We're going to make it hard for you. So uh, not, definitely- o- not only that, like it's just it, they made them take a lot of penalties, even though the Islanders didn't right. convert. It made them, you know, Goudreau's getting out there. He's getting he's getting chippy. Um, Tampa knows that the, it's not going to be an easy series. I, and I keep saying this to be anyone that I you know talk to about this. That series was a lot closer than people realized last year. Yeah. The, Tampa Bay was the, the better team. I don't think that we can argue that. But right. it wasn't a blowout. Four to two does not really – that was, is a lot like the, the Pittsburgh Islanders series in 2013. That series is a lot closer than people realize, Absolutely. even though it was four to two. Game, you know, game. overtime games. And it's like, you know, if I'm a Philly fan, I'm saying that about the honors last year, right? That right. series is a lot closer than people realize. There were a lot of overtime games. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, Washington, the Islanders, where it was very clear the Islanders just got the better of them. Right. They, um, were, they were a Brock Nelson breakaway in overtime in, in game six from four center game seven. You know, they obviously they won it in double overtime in, in game five. And what was it? Game two, they give up the the losing goal with seconds left on the clock uh, with, uh, with uh, take a guess who was on the ice for that. Why don't you tell and, John? Andrew Ladd. <laughs> I'm not, mis- <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. It was Andrew Ladd. Why are we even talking about Andrew Ladd? Well, I did not a, and to that. your point, to your point earlier about, you know, the growth in this team and, and we were talking about this, you know, the secondary players and the scoring, it wasn't that much personnel turnover but it was very important players you know uh, i think brassard you could probably take or leave um it's great that they had an in-house option with wallstrom that's a little bit cheaper that's kind of locked in you don't have to worry about he's obviously committed to the team there's bridge deals like he's with the team for a while brassard it's tough you're you know million million and a half depending on what kind of playoff series and if you can replace him and then you got zajac you know even if it's just for this run I, i he's obviously i think he's a better replacement than Broussard, that second line is is dialed in again. Um, I, I think the right pieces were moved. You know, again, they keep 
pressing the right buttons, whether that's in-game personnel changes or, um, you know, off-season trade deadline. And I'll also say, if I'm not mistaken, so Andrew Ladd was in the lineup last year. Ross Johnston made it into the lineup versus Lightning last year. Michael Dalcole. Michael Dalcole. Like, that's was, there's yeah. no question that that is happening unless they absolutely need to. Last year, they were trying to press the right buttons. Right. Trotz has not had to do that. Yeah. He's he's kept his guys, and I think that speaks to they're a year older, and they're it's a pretty young group. They're they're experienced youngsters, yeah, right. And, sure. and I think that's really important. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, despite it being much of the same core, it's a much deeper team than it was last year. Yeah, you're minus one part, and albeit it's a major part. Andrews Lee is not not a part of this this postseason run. However, that third line. You know, your 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 top six is going to score you goals, and, and that's been happening. Or at least they should be. Right, they, they should be. And that's been happening for the Islanders. You know, Barzell's finally woken up. Uh, he's picking up Everly's play a little bit, and the second line is doing their thing. The bottom six is what wins you championships, though, and that's what you're getting. Out of, I said that a million six. times. Yeah. So, And that's what you're getting at a J.J. Peugeot, Kyle Palmieri, Travis Zajac. When Wallstrom was in, he was providing that as well. The fourth line, man, we said it all season. Maybe they lost a step. Maybe they don't have that extra gear. No, forget it. Postseason comes. They got it again. They're doing their thing. So, you they know, look it, great. And I do. was the one who said it. I was yeah. like, maybe Clutterbuck is hurt. He doesn't come back next year because he's yeah. LTIR. Whatever the whatever the case is, I don't know what his contract looks like. I don't know if he has another year left or something. But either way, yeah, he just he looked banged up. His back yeah. looked like it was bothering him. Like you know, from that 2019 series with Carolina. Um, and health has played a major factor in, in you know, this postseason run. Uh, Trot said it himself earlier today that, you know, the Islanders are much healthier going into this series than they were last season. So there are a lot there's a lot of factors as to why you're seeing a different series thus far. Uh, much different game ones than than uh, from 2020 to 2021. Um, and, and, you know, again, this is this whole series is going to be a grind. Um, I want to talk about the first 10 minutes of this game. The Islanders were outshot 6-1. to one. Not many high-danger chances against. Um, but then the last 10 minutes of that first period come, and the Islanders then outshoot Tampa something like 13-2. to two. And that, that stat might have been actually before the first period ended uh, because if I'm not mistaken, the Island- yeah, so the first period ended with 14 shots to 11 in favor of the Islanders. Joe, what happened there? You know, the, the first half, the, the Islanders didn't get many pucks on net, but suddenly, you know, they outshot them with, in, a, in a 10 minute span, 13 to 2. What, what did you see? It was simply the fact that the Islanders settling into their game. Um, and it happened much quicker than I think a lot of us expected because you knew game one at home, the Lightning were going to come out absolutely flying. Um, they're the defending champs. They, have all the confidence in the world because this is a team they already got past. They're favored in this series. They, You want to talk about health? They are healthier than they were last year, too. So they're going to come out – well, they wanted to come out gangbusters. Yeah. And the Islanders simply didn't let that happen. Even if shots were – shots, I believe, were, yeah, 6-1, to 7-1. to one. Um, And then that first power play that the Islanders got – that just flipped the it flipped the period on its head, and yeah. uh, the Islanders go on a well, it was a thirteen to four shooting run to end the period, um, and it's just you saw the it, it's classic Islanders they muddled up the neutral zone, 
they made entries very difficult. I know we talk, you know, everybody was talking about how the lighting were making it hard for the Islanders to, to enter the zone on the power play. The Islanders made the adjustments. The lightning didn't. Um, and, you know, while the Islanders kind of took an initial punch from the lightning, the Islanders countered and it stunned, it stunned Tampa. And it took them a quite a while to kind of stabilize where we didn't really see them get into the game and, and show that urgency until the third period. They, they looked kind of lifeless. Like, Oh, this isn't going to be a cakewalk for us. Well, the Islanders kind of let them tire themselves out really quick. Get, sure. you know, get the jitters out. The Islanders are confident. They're a bend not break team. They let the lightning kind of come out and just, you know, get, get a few. I don't know that they want to do that necessarily, but they weren't, you know, like they didn't have that urgent, um, the Islanders just weren't on the attack right away, but then, you know, they get comfortable. They, they fall in, they had to travel to Tampa, whatever the case is. And then they, yeah, they turn it around. I was, the shots were pretty high for both teams in the first period, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It was 14 to 11 in favor of the Islanders, which is I think high on both sides of the coin for the Islanders. That's Uh, not something they typically don't let up that many shots in one period. And they typically don't shoot. They're not out shooting the other team. Um, they're not getting 14 shots. They're getting between 20 and 30 shots a game. So to get yeah. 14 in the first period, it, you know, I think it's really that speaks volumes. They're they're going out there being confident and getting the chances. I think they're also taking advantage of of Tampa Bay not being that comfortable for whatever reason. Maybe being a little afraid of the Islanders and and they 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 couldn't. It wasn't a cakewalk. Yeah, they outshot them six to one the first ten minutes, and then they couldn't do anything after that. That's a, so that's you know they had seven to one, seven giveaways to one. So that was Tampa with seven giveaways. I don't know what the first period stats were, but that doesn't help. That's not helping Tampa get confident. So if the Islanders can continue to take advantage of mistakes, which is pretty much their their bread and butter, this might be not a great series for Tampa. It might be a great series for the Islanders. You could you could tell. Um, basically right off the bat after that initial scuffle, the Islanders then send out their fourth line, throw the body around a little bit. The lightning started getting uneasy in their own zone because it, it was obvious. You could see they were hearing the footsteps. Uh, Sergachev was getting rid of the puck early. Same thing with Sorelli on the boards. And that led to some golden opportunities for the Islanders. Um, Listen, if, if it wasn't for the play of Vasilevsky, it's a it's a three one you know three nothing game after one. Um, where that's what scares me the most about Tampa is that Vasilevsky can absolutely steal a game, and the Islanders don't always bring that offensive punch. They get chances, right? Mm-hmm. What was what was the stat that I was saying before we uh, before we got on from uh, Mike Kelly? The rush, rush chances. Yeah, rush chances, yeah. Nine to nothing, Islanders rush chances. Yeah. And then I think the follow-up stat to that, which was also uh, telling about how the Islanders are playing, and, you know, this maybe this boring thing isn't very true, which I think we know. We watch these guys a little more, uh, a little closer than a lot of people. He said the nine rush chances weren't the most in a playoff game this year, that honor goes to the New York Islanders, who had 13 in a game. Um, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The only thing boring about this team is that other teams can't score on them. <laughs> and I, yeah, I think that's really important, that. right? Like, 
I I totally understand that you want to see goals. I know that that's exciting. Yeah. Um, and I kind of wish Anders could play like that and win. Um, but the way that this roster is constructed with who's at the helm in Lou and who's behind the bench in trots, that's not changing until either one of those guys go. It, it's only boring because your favorite team's not doing it. And, and another factor right. I wanted to talk about in, in this game, too, um, you know, I haven't seen too much talk about this is the first time that the Islanders and the Lightning are seeing each other this season. And the thing is here, you know, the Bolts played in, the, in a, a central division, right? Is that what they were? The, yeah, the, a central division uh, where they played against teams like Carolina, uh, Dallas, Columbus, Chicago, uh, and, and Florida, uh, Nashville as well. Those guys, those, those teams are, are a lot of run-and-gun teams, right? You're not seeing too many teams in that division play the same style of play as the New York Islanders, whereas the Islanders, uh, they've seen top-heavy teams with you know superstars galore in, in Boston, um, and, and you know they kind of know how to defend against teams that have uh, a lot of firepower. But you know it's been a long time since the Bolts have played a team where it's defense first structure. So maybe that's an advantage for the Islanders because it's been literally a year since these two teams have seen each other, and uh, they haven't had that kind of you know game against an opponent in in, in a long time. I don't know. Do, do you guys maybe do you guys agree or disagree with that statement? If if you go back um, to before the season started, and we were talking about the scheduling, and we were talking about the divisional breakdown, uh, how they divvied up the teams. I think the two biggest points that we had or that we took away was, wow, you know what? The Islanders are in the toughest division in hockey. And in the same breath, we looked down the list and said, this is a cakewalk for the Lightning. Right. They're in, the, they're in one of the easiest divisions in the league. Now, granted, Carolina is a fantastic hockey team. Absolutely. Um, and they, I think they proved a lot of people wrong by winning that division. But sure. – you see what happens when they get on that big stage and they play a team of Tampa's caliber in a playoff series. Look how that narrative changed really quick. Right. The Islanders, this is a testament of, you know, of how the Islanders managed to survive this series in the toughest division in hockey where, yeah, you saw every end of the spectrum in this division where you had teams that played similar to their style like the Bruins you played teams like the Capitals, high power, Penguins, high power, even the lesser teams. The Rangers, listen, when they're clicking, their offense oh, yeah. is one of the best in hockey. They still average like three and a half goals a game. Exactly. There was there was nary a night off for the Islanders as compared to the Lightning, where, oh, you know what? They're they're playing the Red Wings. You know, right. you know, the Islanders had Buffalo. I I get that. Um, but at the same time, the the Lightning schedule wasn't as nearly the onslaught as the Islander schedule was down the stretch. And you can, at least from the first game, you could tell that, you know what, the Islanders have that experience. Right. It's more of the high-powered teams, but in the same breath, playing in those crunch time games, playing in those close situations, putting on a clinic of how to close a team out down the stretch when they're really pushing and throwing everything at you. So it says a lot of just how well-prepared the Islanders are and just – how impressive it was that they were able to get through this season in the Eastern Division and and win the division too. We might actually see a banner at UBS Arena, Eastern Division champions. I was I was thinking about that. Do they want to do that, or are they going to get the Nashville treatment of like? I don't know. When's the, I mean, a division title is usually 
memorialized or something. Wouldn't it be Wales Conference champion? Aren't they gonna? They're they're handing out the Wales trophy. No. Oh, well, that, that's weird because that's after really this not. series, I, he means after yeah. they won the division against Boston. Technically, that oh, was the right. Eastern the the East Division, the Mass oh, Mutual East Division right. champions. Okay, that's an interesting. I thought about that the other day, and I was like, "Interesting." Do they do that? I think they're gonna. They would get the league would have to do it to all four of the teams. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't think yeah. one team wants to. Yeah. Do, to do it. Um. I think it would feel I wouldn't want that to be like the thing that like one of the first things that happens at UBS Arena. Like here's this consolation prize of a thing that's never gonna happen again. It, it wouldn't even be like a ceremony. I think fans would just walk in and it'd be like, Oh look, there it is. <laughs> you would just be up there. It's it's possible. I mean, that's probably the best way to do it. I don't I yeah. don't know that you wanna Make it any kind of big deal out of it because oh, no especially if they lose this series, it's a different. If they lose in the Stanley Cup, like they lose in this this series again. I don't know that you want to be like, oh yeah, like, but we did win this other thing. Remember, like, uh, no, right? Don't, and, and uh, for, for for example, regardless of who comes out of this series, but say the the Canadians come out of their series and it's two Eastern Conference teams in the Stanley Cup. What banner does the loser of the Stanley Cup raise? Like you're not Eastern Conference champion because you weren't. Right. Well, they're um, they're Stanley Cup finalist. Technically, Montreal is in the West. I think that's where Toronto. Remember, Toronto used to be in the Western Conference. I don't. I don't know. That's Back, a, this is you know 20, 30 yeah. years ago, but. I don't know what. I don't think you. If you win the semifinal, I don't know what banner they're going to put up. I don't know. We're again. We're getting ahead of ourselves talking about banners here, people. <laughs> we, we are getting we are. ahead of ourselves. Let's backtrack. Before, yeah, before we move on from what you what you said, I I really like that point by by both of you that the Islanders just had better competition going into this series in the playoff run. Forget yeah. end the regular season. Absolutely. Um, even with. The lightning, and then the lightning get Kucherov back, and it makes it a little bit easier. Right. But the Islanders are—they're a buzzsaw. They'll break anything up. And that's, you know, they—they've shown that teams that add players, even in the playoffs, you know, in Taylor Hall, even though they didn't look good against Boston late in the season, he was a ghost for right. them. He didn't. There was not a lot going. That's absolutely no disrespect to uh, uh, Carolina and. Florida, those great teams, great organizations, but yeah, but not next to Tampa. I like right. Carolina didn't look as good as they did two years ago. Right, Car and two years ago they looked like a team that could win a cup in the next few years. They did not. They just don't have the goaltending for it, and that could have been not right now. That should have been what we knew two years ago. Right, who did they lose? Who did they lose to in the cup in, in the conference final? Um, in 2019, I don't even remember. Um, it might I have been say, Boston. I want to say Boston. It yeah, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. Tuca versus Guy? I don't know. Who was it? I think it was Peter Morazic still. Peter Morazic, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, he's and James, good. And James Reimer? James, James Reimer, Reimer too, yeah. Right. No. Yeah, that, it, that, that doesn't, like, that's just not going to work out for you. Right. Um, it's not Bennington who's, like, kind of good, although he hasn't been, um, or, or somebody else that can, you know, like, he's going to catch fire for you. It's I don't know. 
Right. Uh, these these older guys, you kind of know who they are by that point, unless you're Tim Thomas and you come out of nowhere and you're a 38 year old rookie and win a Stanley Cup. And I, I believe it counts Mike. But yeah, I think the honors just they're a more solid team than than the Lightning have played, at least on any kind of regular basis. Yeah, this is probably their well. This is going to be definitely their toughest matchup yet because the, uh, the like you said, Carolina and and Florida, great teams, not exactly what the Islanders are right now, and, and maybe the Islanders are more battle tested with uh, having already beaten Boston and Pittsburgh. They're also rolling, like they're, they're also just, rolling. They're they're a good team playing really well. Yeah. They're not just a good team that's gonna that might have an off night like they they feel like a team that's just kind of banging on all cylinders. So they're yeah. the, and, and the, the Islanders have been on the other side of this narrative plenty of other times. Oh, they ran into a team that was, they're just, they're just really good. And they kind of hit their stride at the right time. And the Islanders just couldn't survive that. You know, that's, that's happened before yeah. or they just, they were missing a step or whatever the case is. And it's only game one. So let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah. But, you know, having said that, this is a team that's playing really well and not to say that Tampa isn't, but as we've been saying, Tampa has a, had a slightly easier road to get here. I, I wrote about it after game one. Um, and all I wrote was if, if there has been this notion and it probably will continue that the Islanders couldn't hang with the lightning or that the Islanders, you know, oh, they got lucky and it was a gift to be here and be there. Regardless of what happens, I think that a lot of hockey fans need to realize that the Islanders are just a they're a good hockey team um, and they they're they're a really good hockey team and they should yeah. be taken seriously yeah you even have guys like john scott now coming out and tweeting hey yeah. i'm gonna say it yeah. the Islanders are a good hockey team that's it so thanks for the uh thanks for the, the support john scott we we uh we, we love you let's talk about the uh goal scorers in game one and uh matt Brozell. He opens the scoring. He's got four goals, six points in his last five games. Joe, let me ask you, what's been the difference in his game after not scoring in his first eight games in the postseason? Nothing. <laughs> Honestly, I like it. Honestly, there I has like not really been that much of a difference where, you know, you did see at times during the first round against Pittsburgh, he was trying to do too much when Pittsburgh were, you know, they were throwing double teams at him where he was entering the zone and boom, immediately had two guys on him. In, Bo- in the Boston series and in game one that we saw today, he was given a little bit more respect. He was given a little bit more space. But Matthew Barzal has been playing good hockey all postseason long. It was just a matter of he wasn't finding the back of the net. And we've, you know, I've asked Barry Trotz about this. We've heard Matt Barzal talk about this. They weren't unhappy with his game. Um, they knew he was playing good hockey, and they said it was only a matter of time before he started finding the back of the net. So if you just want to call it an untimely slump, if you want to just call it better preparation by Pittsburgh, if if that's even a real sentence, um, you can. Um, but you're just looking at the fact that Matt Barzal is getting hot at really the, the perfect time. Yeah, and, definitely. Yeah, it's like, that's, that's like I said. I, I think you just have the Islanders playing really well right now, including their best players. That's something that, eye on the top players have not been able to kind of match what the other team's output is who, who got the goal for tampa tonight Braden Braden point. point that you know all right so i've said this before the top guys their goals are almost a wash sometimes you're gonna have right. Barzell score and points gonna score it's gonna happen every game it's gonna be kucherov it's gonna be everly it's gonna whatever the case is palmary and whatever but then you need 
you need Pulak to score one from the blue line, right? right? He needs to beat Hedman in that. He needs to beat him in that category. The secondary players need to win that battle. That We're going to say this a million times throughout this run. Um, hopefully not a ton more tonight. But, you know, that, that secondary scoring, the bottom half of your lineup, is going to win you the championship. Those are the battles that you can win, that the honors, even in this case, are capable of winning. Having yeah. their third line and fourth line score those goals and just be better than their bottom half. Yeah, I wanted to note here to uh, credit Bailey with a great assist on on Matt Barzell's goal. Um, he now has 49 career playoff points uh, in 65 total games played, and that's the most by an Islander player since Josh Bailey has made uh, his postseason debut in 2013. So uh, a, a leader on and off the ice, he, he's he's getting it done. Josh I was Bailey. saying he's good. Is that a conversation we're having? I, Joe and I are no. having an accident. There's a, large, a crisis. There's a large faction of Islander fans probably out there right now if they're not listening to us regardless, but they're seeing that stat line and they're probably punching the air right now because for some reason Josh Bailey has gotten the most inordinate amount of hate from this fan base despite him being the most steady presence that the franchise has had for the last decade and a half. Yeah, but the for, uh, most of his career he wasn't, and the Islanders had good Islander fans, including myself, who were very critical of, of him. I was <laughs> gonna say he's been questionable. He's put himself in a situation to be questioned about his talent. I've written articles from when we all wrote for Isles Insight or even Eyes on Isles uh -oh. way back. Uh -oh. You know, is the Josh Bailey experiment over? And this is a long time ago. Even I remember watching him in Brooklyn, and I, I think I was with a friend of mine, and he you know he scored a goal, and he uh, you know Josh Bailey scores a goal, and he's like Josh Bailey, NHL All Star, and I just got <laughs> so mad because like it was around that t that time when when he did make the All Star game, and you know like are, are is he good? Like listen, I, I I struggle with this all the time with him. Listen, he's not. I a see perfect, him make mistakes, and he's like, not a perfect ugh. player. He's not a perfect player by by any means. He's not a perfect player, but he has the skill set to be good when he needs to be good. And then he also has these these moments of God, Josh Bailey. What are you doing? He's not a perfect player. Yeah, you got to take him for what he is. Tonight, he made a great play. He read Matt Barzell coming off the bench, fed him, and sprung him for a breakaway. Maybe and it resulted I mean, in a goal. Josh, maybe Josh. his future with the team is that he's a third line winger ultimately like he and then he really thrives in that position or something but it's late it's like he's not late he's our age like a little, little bit older uh, it's not like later in his career like it is now he is there <laughs> like he's not gonna get better <laughs> josh bailey josh bailey's a good hockey player josh bailey's a good hockey player um josh bailey's a good hockey player but hold on <laughs> hold on for those of you not watching, he just no. keeps putting his fingers up, and I feel offended. <laughs> Brock, Brock Nelson is a big-game hockey player. We've, we've seen this. He comes out right. of games. Josh Bailey is the next best thing that the Islanders have in terms of big-time, big-game hockey players in that he steps up when it matters. I'm not going to say when it matters most because there are some spells of inconsistency. You're right. I will not lie because at the end of the day – you put Josh Bailey against a overly physical team and his game is diminished 100%. I will say that. But on the line that he is on right now with Brock Nelson and Anthony Bavillier, who is, in my opinion, the second or third best four checker on this team, he is, in, 
he is in the perfect spot to thrive. The Islanders found his niche for him. Well, you have two guys on that line in Nelson and Bavillier who will forecheck hard. Yes. And then you have Bailey, who I've seen backchecking very well. His defensive you know, side of the game is is good. I'll give him I'll give him that for the most well, part. Well, hold on. Well, hold on, because now you, you if you can't take away the forecheck from Josh Bailey either, because in the first period on the forecheck, turn forced a turnover and just missed making the game one nothing in the first period on a backhand that hit the post. So you and can't take the forecheck away from maybe, right, maybe it's good. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's time for you to just buckle down and just admit Josh Bailey's a good hockey player. He oh, look, doesn't have to be perfect. It's it, it's going to take him having a run at you know uh, having a run of play during an eye on this run to the cup. For me to decide this, like to, for it to really go over the edge, and and he's there, right? Like this is it. We're in the middle of it. So, so like John is going to be so mad when twelve is hanging from the rafters in like 10, 15 Oh my years. god! Gonna be no. So mad about mad it. <laughs> John is going to be mad. Be at so many people, I'll, Joe. I'll, I'll ask you this question: okay. Bobby, Ny- if Bobby Nystrom doesn't score that goal in nineteen eighty, is his jersey hanging from the rafters? See, oh man, that's, that so that I, Look, that is the difference for me with Josh Bailey. He's got to do like, a big game, big game battles thing. It, it, yeah, that's like asking you know if Bill Mazeroski doesn't hit the game winning home run in the 1960 World Series, is he in the Baseball Hall of Fame? I get that, I do, because Nystrom wasn't like lighting the world on fire. No, 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 no. There, but, was but, a, there were much better players on that team. Does he get the nickname Mister Islander? Does he spend his entire career with the team? It's it's a snowball effect. Um, you know, if he doesn't score that goal, but he still has the career that he had, and the Islanders still win those four Stanley Cups, I think so. Yeah, you think he had that much influence? Like, sure. uh, I mean, and that could be that could be Bailey's um, future as as far as his recognition with the team. I but I liken him to a, a Bobby Nystrom like. You know, his influence it, on the team, right? He's uh, he's very clearly not the best player, like by a stretch. But he's, he's also not very the best clearly player. not the worst player. Well, that's a low bar. I don't know that I want to say that, but like he's he's an important part of it. Like again, like Nystrom was, like any one of those right. players were, even uh, even a Bob Bourne or any of these guys, right? They all played a very specific role. If even if it wasn't Trache, right, or Potvin or whatever. Um, but I bring it up because I feel like that's that's kind of an equivalent. I don't I, know the Nystrom stat line very well, but I feel like it's close. I, I think I think longevity has a lot to do with it. Um, well, the stat line is you're right. Um, Josh Bailey has 919 career games played. Bobby Nystrom has 900 career games played. Bobby Nystrom has 513 career points. Josh Bailey has 511 career points. God damn it! I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was just really that was just really lucky is what it was but that's like i said i that's that is kind of puts a that puts it up there i and now bailey will have a longer career ultimately but as it stands right now if josh bailey sk- scores a stanley cup winning goal they're the same i'm i'm gonna be honest with you here um josh bailey is how old 31 31 maybe 31 Josh Bailey is – math is hard. He's had the third most games played 
in Islanders franchise history. Um, next year, actually within a year and a half, he will have played more games in an Islanders uniform than Dennis Popkin. Yeah, he's in the rafters easy. In in two to three years, he will overtake Brian Trottier for the most games played in Islanders franchise history. There is something to be said about longevity. And this league, really, that's important. Right. Huge. And if the Islanders do win a cup um, and Josh Bailey is a part of that team, and I, I don't know. I, I no, do, he does. He is uh, yes. I can't see how he numbers away from the. Listen, he's a lock for the Islanders Hall of Fame, regardless of what happens. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's only a matter of time with this current trajectory that the Islanders are on that his number is retired. And again, a lot of people punching the air, and I am here for all of it. I, I'll say this: I will not think for a second about that. Because the Islanders want a Stanley Cup, I don't care if that's the if that's a result. I don't care if that's fine. My least favorite Islander can win the cup for them or be a part of the team. I don't care. All is forgiven. I do not care. He's gonna listen. He's gonna be top ten in in. Well, he's gonna be number one one day. All things considered, knock on wood. You don't want to see anybody get injured, but he will be number one in games played. He will be top ten in points. Uh, he will be top. Five and assists. I know. I, John Zell is least favorite player. But. I know. <laughs> well, it's not, it's, I, I don't. I don't have the same disdain for him as I did years ago because obviously he's have has a better influence. It, occasionally, I just do see him Actually. lack something in the game, and I, I that it annoys me. But that's been a lot of Islanders over the years. So I certainly it's not, haven't it's not seen just it. Him. I certainly haven't seen it in, in at least a little while in the in no. the playoffs well, uh, for, for Mr. Josh Bailey. But we're going to stop talking about Josh now, and uh, we're going to move on to, to Ryan Pulak, the other goal scorer in, in game one against the Lightning. And, uh, John, this is going to be a question for you because for, for a while uh, we talked about, you know, Pulak's inability to hit the net. He only scored two goals in the regular season. Now he has four playoff goals. Uh, so same question as Barzell. I, I, have you seen a change in his game? I think I don't think Barry Trotz would say there's any difference. Um, that shot was dead on today, and Vasilevsky just couldn't handle it. Um, dare I say it was two on target? I kind of like just miss, missed the logo there, and, and <laughs> I think it's stuck between his arm or something. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, him. I didn't say like his arm and his body or something or or whatever the case is. Um, no, it didn't literally go through. <laughs> <laughs> no, not um, But yeah, I you know I, I think it's he just he's got the shot on net, and I don't I don't think a lot of these guys change their their game all that much. It, it's it's a lot of just a confidence thing. How do you feel with the puck? Um, this team is rolling. Everyone just feels really good, uh, or at least that's what it looks like, and the results kind of lean towards that. Um, he just got a really good look. Those yeah. shots, you know, from that far out with no traffic in front, we could just as easily be saying that, that that just didn't go in and at least he hit the net. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, you know, obviously I'm happy that it, that it did and I'm not going to take anything away from him, but, um, you know, four goals, he's, he's a leader on this team and he's going to step up. And I think that's everybody, right. That's, um, and, and he, Barzell when he needs to, right? Like you know, the team was kind of carrying him when 
when he wasn't performing and he steps up when it needs to helps close out a series helps take a lead in the next series. Everyone kind of has their, their moments. Ezekiel scores a goal. Palmieri steps up and scores a few goals. I I think there's just, everyone just kind of has their moment and, and he recognizes it. He's been on this team a really long time now. He's been through a number of these playoff series with this team, you know, as a lot of the players have at this point. So yeah, I, I think it's just, it's like you said earlier, it's some experience. They, they've been through it. They know what it takes. And he's stepping up when, he, when he's being called on. Some of these some of these scenarios really don't have a logical explanation. It's just a question, you know, it's just a matter of the puck's going in. And I will uh, yield to Barry Trotz now. I'll, I'll just read a quote because he was asked about this after the game, um, about Pulak and, well, what's happening? What's, you know, take it away because I love this quote and I was going to bring it up. So take it away. So he said, so trots on Ryan Pulak, and I'm quoting here, he said he's playing a really solid game like he has all year. The pucks are going in. During the year, he was trying to score. Now he's just putting pucks on the net and shooting it, and they're going in. I don't think there's any change in his game from game number one, the regular season, right to the end of the regular season. His talent is shot up. His poise. That's what usually happens with those defensemen. When they want to put up those numbers, they don't. But when they just play solid, they do. God, so he's so be, smart. It could just be something as simple as a mental thing. And I know, listen, Islanders fans right now, they're getting all giddy because I've been dropping some ridiculous Barry Trotz quotes. <laughs> and essential, and everybody's just eating them up like John Zella just did about Ryan. He's Cooper. a hockey philosopher. I get yeah. that is That is poetry. Yeah. That, he that serenades is, us on a, every other night. He serenades us with hockey. He just he just knows what he's talking about. That it's and I, and I love that too, right? The difference in a player when they're trying to score a goal versus when they're just trying to get pucks on net. The difference in the outcome is substantial, and you're seeing it now with Pulak. And, and you know it couldn't have come at a better time. Just like Barzell, Pulak, you could say the same thing. Well, that was it's that's the really smart way to say he's gri- he was gripping a stick too tight. That was a very sure. long, more long winded version of that. Sure. Because Ryan Ryan Pulak knows that he is one of the Islanders' more gifted offensive defensemen. Um, you can't and, expect Noah Dobson to do it. No, no well, especially not yet. Um, no, right, right, right. That's what I mean. And 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 of course that needs to be said. I think the poise that Noah Dobson is showing while working through the growing pains of playing in the postseason uh, full time this year um, that that needs to be commended. I think by a large portion of the fan base, even though. Again, there are some hiccups along the way, but that's why he's paired with Andy Green. Ryan Pulak is, again, he's realizing the responsibility that's put on his shoulders as a top-pairing defenseman, working alongside one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League in Adam Pellick. And he just go- he's just going for it. Again, he's not thinking. He's just going. If he sees space in front of him, he takes it. I saw a couple of... Uh, a couple of really nice rushes today from Pulak that he sometimes was hesitant to do during the regular season. Um, you see more of that from him, the defenseman jumping up in the play, supporting the offense. That's only going to mean better things for this team, especially when, uh, you know, if, if the series slows down and the offense kind of hits a wall. So something to consider. Couldn't agree more. And I love that you guys both just spoke about Noah Dobson a little bit too, because I, I think that he had a really good game tonight against the the Lightning. I, I noticed a couple of shifts where um, in his own zone, he was really good in front of the net. Uh, one shift in particular where there were three shots on goal, and in all three shots, 
Uh, he negated a, a rebound chance by throwing the puck to the corner and and making the right play defensively. He's been really good in his own end, um, and I, and I do like what I see from him as uh, the quarterback on the power play. Uh, maybe sometimes I, I would I wish he would make some quicker, crisper passes. Um, but overall, I think he's been a pretty good uh, six defenseman for the Islanders. Joe, what are, what are you seeing out of Noah Dobson? I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying, despite his sheltered minutes, he had 12 minutes and 24 seconds of play tonight. Um, but despite the sheltered minutes, what are you seeing out of Noah Dobson? I, I really like what I'm seeing from him. I, I sort of equate it to a baby deer learning how to walk. <laughs> and I think Barry Trotz is doing that as well, where he's picking and choosing Noah Dobson's minutes. He understands that he has a lot of upside on the offensive end. Um, he knows that he can do just enough to survive when the pressure's on in his own zone, when you know his back is to the play, when he's up against the boards. He's doing enough. And again, like I just said, that's why he's with Andy Green. That's why there's somebody who's always on the ice with him to help direct him, he's an extent. Andy Green is an extension of Barry Trotz right now. Um, but again, what I'm what I'm seeing from Noah Dobson is, I I don't know if I want to say it's it's somebody ahead of schedule, but I think there are not a lot of young defensemen around the NHL that both Barry Trotz or Lou Lamarillo would trust in these types of situations to appear in every single playoff game, regardless of minutes, um, as much as they have shown with Noah Dobson. So I think that's it's field marks for him. I think, again, the, the sky is the limit with him. And I think you'll see his minutes continue to kind of creep up. Um, I, I, I don't know if I want to say for the rest of the series, but it all kind of depends on the style of play that the Lightning are going to throw at the Islanders. So um it's good things and you see it a couple of times where you know he had a couple of shaky turnovers against the Bruins um you know he's like I just said it's growing pains they're going to be there there are going to be some mistakes so it's it's a matter of trust I think between Trotz and Dobson um and it's you know kind of touch and go but right now for the most part Dobson is rewarding Trotz for that trust and he'll go to that well until proven otherwise yeah, I, uh, you know, like I like what you said. You know, it's like a, a baby deer learning how to walk. Um, but I do definitely think that you you you're spot on there, saying that there's not many young twenty year old NHL defensemen uh, that could be trusted in this kind of situation. So it speaks volumes of him that uh, you know Barry Trotz is is trekking him out there despite the she the sheltered minutes. Uh, it, it is good to see in the development for the in my opinion, future number one defenseman for this team. It's not always that sheltered. Like I see them that pairing out with the fourth line who often gets pinned in their own zone and they're out there. I mean, it's not all the time, but mm -hmm. every once in a while I notice that that pairings out, it may just be an accident or, you know, late in a shift or something like that, or just a bad matchup, but I do see them out there and they hold it down, yeah. you know, and, and Andy Green is not invincible, but Dobbs, you know, the two of them together seem to be working. So, yeah, I would I would expect Dobson over time, if not in this this current playoff run uh, in the future, just continue to kind of get, you know, it depends on what happens with the expansion draft this summer or whatever happens with the back end and the dollars and cents of it all. Um, yeah, he could be called upon to 
have more responsibility for sure. Let's talk about the, uh, and we'll wrap up the show with the special teams. Uh, the power play went 0 for 3 tonight. And, you know, it, the first one wasn't great. Uh, the Islanders tried to skate the puck over their, uh, the, the lightning blue line, couldn't gain zone entry, and, and it, they were making it pretty hard for the Islanders to, to get, gain any control. And, in fact, on that first power play, I, I even stated that their best player on the power play was Semyon Varlamov because there were a few chances against. Um, but then that second power play, there was an adjustment. Um, you know, they dumped the puck, they chased after it a little bit, uh, and they won the puck battles, they won the board battles. Despite going 0 for 3, uh, I thought two of those power plays were pretty strong. Joe, what did you see out of the power play? Yeah, um, I would agree with that, where I think their second power play was their strongest. They put four shots to the net. They looked yeah. pretty menacing. And it's a, again, it's a testament to how this team is willing to adjust on the fly. They're not as stubborn, where I think you see a lot of teams when they're put in that situation, they say, well, it's it's worked for us all year, so we're just going to put our head down and we're going to keep doing it until we're eliminated or until the season's over. But they stated that change in philosophy with such intent in such a big way. And I'm not sure if everybody noticed. I'm sure they did because everybody is more astute than I am. But um, during that power play, you saw Matt Barzal pick up the puck right before center ice, and he didn't even take a second. He dumped it in. Yep. And that was – that, and it was, okay, message received. And as soon as they did that, and as soon as they kind of made the lightning honest – that, oh, okay, they're going to dump it in and their forecheck is more aggressive and they're going to beat us to pucks with this, all of a sudden the Islanders had space to enter that zone. So, you know, it, it really didn't take that long. Um, one big adjustment and suddenly the power play looks a lot better. So I would think that at this rate, you know, they're, they're not going to pull an O for every night in the series. You know, I think the special team's goal is going to come sooner rather than later, but that's – that's a pretty sizable adjustment that they made that quickly where, you know, even uh, I think it was Eddie Olchek during the game. He said it, he's like, Oh, you know what? The honest, they, they got to start dumping the puck in and whatever it was 30 seconds later, boom, there goes Barzell. Whoop. Okay. There it is. So, uh, you know, Barry Trotz is a pretty good coach and uh, I think he's going to do what he can to, you know, find the cracks. As long as the honest continue to just move the puck, get it to the net, and move their feet. It sounds really simple. And I know, I think we've even talked about it before uh, on the show and, and that's what they needed to do. And it looked much better against the Bruins. You know, they were, they had three AHL defensemen in the lineup. Tuka Rask was hurt with a pretty serious injury. The honor still won and I'll defend it all the time. I'll, I did it today with, with people talking about how they beat a, you know, depleted Bruins team. I don't care. They're, they're in the final, they're in the semifinal. And it, it works for me. Um, but for a healthy Tampa Bay team to, to score goals, you have to – Vasilevsky's really good laterally, but you still got to get him to move. You have to get him to overcommit on something. You have to be moving your feet. You got to move that puck. Um, be a little creative out there. Have a little fun with it. Don't – you know, that's – it's where the structure hurts them sometimes is in the offensive zone in that they think it's bubble hockey and it's just, I got to go here. This is where the puck goes. It has to go here. This is, this is it. And 
sometimes you have to be a little more creative. You have to move around. You got to switch spots. Barzell, you can tell he's a different type of player than everyone else on the ice because he does that. He'll bring it up towards the the point, and, and he's like, all right, I'm going to quarterback it, and he's trying to like move the players around a little bit, or he'll switch sides completely or something. You kind of need a little bit of that. You need these players to be cycling themselves just as much as the puck. Yeah. Get them moving. Get it. Get someone to miss an assignment. Um, when you're when you see them doing that a little bit, you know, popping out from the goal line to the high slot, and the defense having to adjust to that, it opens up space. Someone else fills in that position on the back door, um, on a line change, something where they're undetected a little bit, and and you get a goal. So as if the Islanders can kind of bring that out a little bit more, I think they can be successful, and that's what's going to take to be successful against a team like the lightning that's that's just really good that has you know a Vezina winning goaltender to backstop them i think you saw it um it, it might have been during that that second power play too um but what you did see on the first say combined three minutes of the islanders power plays was that if they did get sustained pressure or if they were able to set up in the tampa bay zone you saw the lightning coming at it. They were super aggressive, but if you noticed, they kept kind of playing that reverse play around the boards. They just kept cycling it from one end of the boards to the next end, back and forth. They reversed it a couple of times, and as you mentioned before, John, they tired them out. Um, so I think that's something else to keep an eye out for um, because that that strategy from Tampa isn't going to change. They're going to want to put pressure on the point men, especially when 21-year-old Noah Dobson is out trying to quarterback, you know, the second power play unit. Right. And that's exactly my point is that they're putting heavy pressure on the Islanders. So getting them to move, getting the D to move in the forwards to move around, it's going to open up ice. As long as you stay, that's where the structure can help, right? There's creativity, but you got to be ready for that pass. You got to be, you know, stick on the boards, head up on a swivel. You got to know where where the puck might be coming from, where a guy is moving around, where who switched where, what hand are they, and and make sure you can kind of move the puck around. Um, you know, they'll they're going to put pressure on you. There is going to be ice available. It really depends on just what you do with it. Let's talk about the penalty kill real quick because uh, they go one for two tonight. And uh, on the first one, I thought it was great. Uh, you know, that that the Tampa Bay Lightning are, are filled with superstars and and. When you're down a man, you have five superstars on the ice against you. They go one for one in, uh, early in the game, and, and the only goal they give up is in the, the final minute when they were down six on four. Um, and even then, I don't think they did too bad of a job. They clogged lanes. Uh, they made you know they they made it hard for the Lightning to gain any space in the offensive zone. Um, I thought the penalty kill was pretty good, and I'm not too worried about. Uh, you know, giving up a ton of chances on the um, man advantage for the Lightning uh, moving forward because the Islanders are, are, as we've seen, pretty disciplined. Um, but what what did you see on the penalty kill, Joe? What did you see tonight? No, they were good. They were active. They were resolute on the blue line. Like you said, they made entries pretty difficult. But at the same time, they were active. Active sticks. They were moving. They kept their shape. They were cutting down passing lanes really well. And it was, yeah, you know what, that that point goal, it was more of the anomaly where, you know what, he was in the right place at the right time. The puck came out to him. Credit to him. He roofed that. He did. That was a heck of a finish. 
Um, so, yeah, you know what? You, you, it shouldn't be cause for concern. At the same time, you do not want to play with fire with this team. You do right. not want to get to the penalty box, and you don't even want to give the referees a reason to blow their whistle. Um, and, yeah, you know what? I think the uh, the Brock Nelson penalty in the third period, that was – it might have been on the softer side. I think Kucherov certainly uh, made a meal of it for sure. <laughs> um, but I think it's a call. I, I it's It's tough because why those moments – Late in the third period, where you're like, "Yeah, Wilson's coming out." I don't know. There, there's this kind of stuff all game. I mean, again, and and I've said this a million times on the show, especially during these this season, and in particular the playoff run. Why is like that's a call? Palmieri should have got called in that Boston game for that shoulder. I don't know that we talked about that. A hundred percent. And and so it's like, all right, it's it's clearly not about the safety of the players. Because you can, if if you're the refs and you're capable of calling an embellishment penalty, at least call both of them. I mean, I think there's also there's also the the human error factor here, where maybe you know maybe a referee's blowing the whistle, and after the whistle's blown, he's kind of like looking down at his skates, and being like, "Oh, my lace is tight, all right, and you know, my my good here," and maybe he just doesn't see that play happen after the whistle's blown. You know, maybe nobody was looking in the direction of Kyle Palmieri, and he kind of looked I, over I, his shoulder and said to himself, "Oh, no one's looking here, Charlie. How, how does that?" Feel? I mean, it's a sneaky little play. My my right. point is, if you're not going to call something like that, and all the other little chippy things that really do potentially injure McAvoy, was not right after that. No, he wasn't. No, and and that and that's where you're like, okay, he he was he didn't. I don't even think Palmieri got a fine, right? And this no, is he got again, nothing. and that was you know I. Uh, look, we're, this is an eye on the show. I'll be the first one to say Palmieri should have got a game or a fine or something. Or at least a fine, yeah. Right, Because that's the that's the shit. If it happened to an eye on the player, that's the shit you want out of the game. That, that's that's objectively what the whole thing is about with, with player safety. So to not see that, I know we're kind of going back and that's not what we're talking about. But, you know, on the Nelson thing, even if it rode up and it got him in the chin and he sold it a little bit, it, you don't hit him in the head. You got to have control. Nelson has to know better in that moment. It's, it could be a soft call also, right? Um, the saying on the show is two things can be true. That That's the alternative name. But he's got to have control over that. He gave the referees a reason to blow the whistle. It's keep your hands down. Yeah. Keep your hands down. Even if you were going to cross-check him in the chest, they could have just as easily given you a cross-check. Right. We we have the benefit of replay. They don't. Right, and it's just play the body. Go into him. Put your shoulder into his chest. Right, You're not going to knock him over. Right? I don't think that's the point anyway. Who cares Right, if you're trying to get him off the puck? But it seemed like kind of unnecessary to just get your hands up like that. So you, you got to – it's a bad play. Was it a penalty bad? I don't know. I also would like to chalk that goal up to more of a six on four than it was the penalty kill. Um, there's a lot of traffic. They get an, an additional all-star out there on the ice to to kind of distract you. It doesn't matter who the Islanders are on the penalty kill. It's tough to keep up with that. Yeah, you got to like, expect the Lightning are going to score goals, especially if they're up you know, six on four in the last minute of the game. Yeah, urgency, all that. I think the the honors got themselves a the cushion that they needed. Tampa wasn't really pushing until three minutes left or so. 
it was right. under five minutes. So, you know, they, they didn't do themselves any favors. And the Islanders just felt like they were in control. Trotz has said that a million times. We will win these games two to one if, if we have to. Um, not great if that was your, maybe your first hockey game you ever watched. But for hardcore fans, it's great. That's that's uh, you know you don't in the playoffs you don't you almost don't mind seeing that so yeah Nelson keep your hands down penalty kill we'll see next game I don't I, I not enough for me to to really judge it right now not not a not a good kill and a six on four goal against for uh, for for what it's worth um obviously with with the first kill and everything but even coming off that they held Victor Hedman to just two shots. And they both came in the third period. Um, so I think that's, that's a bit of a testament to it. Um, but also... Well, like I said, Bullock wins that battle. Right. And, he and like, shots to the net, and he scored one of them. Right. And like you, said, that. like you said, though, it's not time yet where you can label the penalty kill one way or the other because we really haven't seen Victor Hedman in this in this thing yet. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and with, with, with that being said, I think we're going to wrap up the show here. Uh, game two will be Tuesday, 8 p.m. Uh, so for those of you who are used to 7.30, 7 o'clock, or sometimes 6.30 starts, it is 8 o'clock start on Tuesday. So, John, be prepared. I just set um, an alarm. I had to take a pregame nap to stay up. <laughs> uh, we want to say thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network, the Hockey Writers, and, of course, to all of you, our listeners. We hope you join us live next time. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to or watch the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Nasman Hockey and find our work at The Hockey Writers. You can find Joe at Joe Pantorno on Twitter for a wide variety of sports coverage, including the Islanders. And until next time, everybody, let's go Islanders. Josh Bailey.